This is another insight that we see in the words of Rabbi Kiva in the last mission of Yuma. Where Rabbi Kiva makes and draws a comparison between a mikveh and Hashem. That just like a mikveh purifies the Tmeim, those that are unclean, so the HaKadosh Baruch Hu purifies us from our sins. He's obviously not trying to convince us of Hashem's abilities to purify us, which is a given. But rather, what Rabbi Kiva is trying to teach us, that there is something unique about the way Hashem purifies us, something we can learn from a mikveh. In generally, it says that tahara, purification, comes from the highest source. Hashem Himself, His very essence, is involved when He purifies a Jew. He doesn't send an angel. He doesn't expose us to the highest realms and the highest worlds where Malachim, Esrafim, and Afanim are serving Hashem. These are very holy beings. And, and certainly being exposed to such high lofty levels of Nivroim, of creations that serve Hashem, can cause purification. But that is not the ultimate power of purification. The ultimate power of purification for Averis, for sins, comes Dafki from Hashem Himself, the very essence of Hashem. And this is what Chazal always tells us Itzume shel yem mechaper. Itzume shel yem. The Torah says, Be'etzem ayem azeh. Yom Kippur is referred to as Be'etzem. What does that mean? The essence of the day. What is the essence of the day? And it's explained, you see this, essence means the essence that shines during that day. There is a certain essence that shines during the day of Yom Kippur. That's the essence of Hashem. And since the essence of our Neshamas are also connected to the essence of Hashem, so on Yom Kippur, just like Hashem's essence is revealed and shines openly during that day, the essence of our Neshamas also shine openly and in a revealed manner during that day. And this is the source of kapora, forgiveness, and tahara, purification and cleansing us from our averes. The question is, and this is what Rabbi Kiv is trying to address, why is it necessary for Hashem Himself, His very essence, to purify us? Why isn't that enough that Hashem exposes us and lifts us up to a level of some very lofty world? <clears throat> pure worlds, pure holy worlds that are totally immersed in divine service, that should serve as a purification. It's enough. Why do we need Hashem Himself to come down and, and, and purify us? And this is what Rabbi Kiva is teaching us with the analogy to a mikveh. In the laws of mikveh, we see the fascinating thing. <clears throat> you can have, in the laws of Tumah, a tiny little thing that's tummy, a needle. The Mishnah talks about a needle that's tummy. If that needle will touch a, a huge piece of furniture, very large, that's by far greater and outsized in comparison to the needle. <clears throat> that needle, if it touches even the edge of that table, the whole table becomes tummy. Quantity, size, doesn't play any role at all in the laws of Tumen Tahara. 
In other laws, the laws of Isa Veheta, we do have an issue with quantity. If you have a Dava Asr, something is prohibited, falls into a pot full of food that are permissible, then we say it depends on the quantity. If a small amount of Isa falls in a very large amount of Davarim Amutarim, permissible food, the, the, the forbidden food becomes neutralized. So we see that size, quantity, volume does play a role in the status of a Davarasar. But when it comes to Tumat Tahara, size, volume, time and space have, have absolutely no, no role to play. Conversely, when it comes to Tahara, she says it's true with Tuma. The source of Tuma can be a tiny thing and cause Tuma just by touching a tiny, tiny piece, a tiny part of this huge, pure thing. The huge, pure thing will become instantly Tame. It's the same as the opposite. A mikveh, which is a limited body of water, 40 saw of, of Maim, uh, Meik Shamim, rainwater, that are gathered in one pool in a stationary way, can cause the purification of endless amount of impure objects or people. You can have hundreds of millions of people go through the same mikveh, one after another. They all become pure, and the mikveh remains pure. The mikveh is not affected by the people that go into the mikveh. Rather, the mikveh purifies them. They don't contaminate the mikveh. The mikveh is impervious to Tumah. And it's interesting, the Chassam Sefer, this is incidental, the Rebbe doesn't bring it in, in the Sikha, but Chassam Sefer reflects exactly this point. In the Pasuk, in Parshish Mini, where it talks about the laws of mikveh, it says, Ach boir mikveh mayim hu tohir. A, 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 a hole in the ground, which has a gathering of rainwater, shall be pure. Who shall be pure? <clears throat> so the Gemara says it means that a person that goes in there, a person who is tame, who submerges himself in such a pool of water, he shall be tired. The Torah is written in a very short way, leaves out the word that a person will tire. Yiye tire, it just says it um, without specifying that it's referring to a person or an object that goes into the mikveh will become tohir. But the Loshana Pasuk seems to imply that the mikveh is tohir. So Chazal learned from this two things. One, that a person that goes into the mikveh is tohir. And the second thing, that the mikveh itself remains pure, no matter how many things that are tomei. And the worst types of tumah, if a mace himself, you put a dead person into that boil, into that uh, mikveh, the mikveh remains pure. Says the Samsef in the Tshuva, these two interpretations of this pasuk, ach boir mikveh ma'im, hu yiyeh toher, one that a person that goes into the mikveh becomes toher, and the other one, <coughs> that the mikveh remains toher, are interconnected. The reason why a mikveh can purify endlessly <clears throat> doesn't matter the amount of people or things or objects that are put into that mikveh, it will continue to purify things forever. It's because the mikveh itself is tahir, it can never become tameh. In other words, mikveh is an entity that is totally impervious to tumah. It has no connection to tumah, and that's why it has, it has the power to purify things endlessly. Says Rabbi Kiva, this is what this Pasik is teaching us. 
Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. Hashem is like a mikveh. The reason why Hashem Himself, etzem ayom etzem of Hashem, the essence of Hashem Himself, has to get involved in exposing His presence in the life of a Jew who has been steeped in sin on Yom Kippur, and He purifies him. Why does it require that Hashem Himself is not a malach, not a sorof, not some lofty dimension in the spiritual realms that Hashem can engage? In purifying the Jew. No, it has to be Hashem himself, the essence of Hashem. <clears throat> the answer lies in the mikveh. Purific, to purify things or people, the source of purification has to be totally impervious to Tumah. Now, a malach, of course, has no shaykhs to Tumah. But a malach is still a, an angel, still a, a creation. He's not impervious to some subtle imperfections. Everything other than Hashem is subject to some level of imperfection. Probably not the level of Tumah the way we know it here in this world. But on a very, very subtle level, the concept of imperfection exists on all levels, in all worlds. And of course, as the worlds become loftier and loftier, the... the, 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 the the nature of imperfection becomes ever more refined and subtle. But we can't say that they are totally impervious to imperfection. There's only one that is totally immune to imperfection. is the epitome of perfection. That's a Kodesh Baruch Hu. To be able to purify the worst types of uncleanliness, <clears throat> it takes Hashem Himself to come and cleanse the Jew. He will learn that from a mikveh. It's only a mikveh that is impervious to Tumah, has no connection to Tumah, is not susceptible to Tumah. It can come in contact with endless people, objects of Tumah, and it will never affect it. Only a mikveh can be a source of purification for all things that go through it. And <coughs> this teaches us that a mikveh is an entity that Hashem created in this world that will represent him. It will reflect him. And the Rebbe says that this is an amazing lesson also for people that build a mikveh in a city. He says, you build a mikveh in a city where there was no mikveh before, you're inviting Atzmus Mahus, Hashem himself, to come into that city to purify Jews. And the Rebbe says that, it says in the Zoya, there was a city, a village called Kfar Tarsha. Kfar Tarsha, Kfar means a village, a village called Tarsha, a tiny, tiny hamlet. And uh, it says that uh, Rabbi Abba went there and people were very big sinners. They used to sin a lot. And Rabbi Abba came and he made them all do tshuva. The Gemara says that this village eventually evolved into a major city, a metropolis. It was known in the Gemara as Masa Mechasia, mentioned many times in Shas. Masa Mechasia, the city of Mechasia. And the Gemara, the Zoyar attributes this <coughs> development that a small village became a big city to the fact that they did Shuva. When they did Shuva, they became a significant community. The Rebbe explains what does that mean? A big city, a small city. The Rebbe explains that big city, small city here is not necessarily in terms of quantity of people and how large it is. He's talking about it in a qualitative sense. When a small village 
rises to a higher level of spiritual status, it becomes a major metropolis. Even if it's small in physical size, but it becomes significant. Because in the Rebbe, it's the same thing with the mikveh. You can have a small town, a small but a, but a very limited population. But you bring Hashem into that town by building a mikveh, inviting Atzmus and Mahus, the essence of Hashem, to come into that town and purify people. As we said, purification comes only from Hashem's essence. That's what Rabbi Kiv is teaching us. So this is a remarkable lesson about the importance of building a mikveh.